Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there and keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage, simple, affordable, reliable. This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 2346. Is Value Investing Dead? By Vitaly Kassanelson of ContrarianEdge.com. And I'm your host and personal finance enthusiast, Diana Merriam. Thank you for being here for another episode of OFD, where I serenade you with the sweet sounds of personal finance knowledge from some of the best blogs on the planet. So with that, let's get right to our next post and start optimizing your life. Is Value Investing Dead? By Vitaly Kassanelson of ContrarianEdge.com. Question. According to many market commentators, value investing doesn't work the way it used to, and some tout statistics that growth has outperformed value over the last decade. How do you rebut that view? Answer. There are two answers to that question. My first answer is within the bounds of your growth and value constructs, wherein you take a valuation metric, let's say price to earnings, and divide the market into two halves, the top expensive half defined as growth stocks and the bottom cheap half, the value stocks. That's a very arbitrary and crude way to look at it, but this is what research services do to make this growth versus value comparison. Growth companies by definition have higher valuations as the bulk of their earnings are expected, a very important word, to happen in the future. Thus, just as long-term bonds benefit from low interest rates, growth companies' valuations expand more when interest rates decline since their cash flows, which may lie far in the future, are worth significantly more when discounted, bought in today's dollars, at lower rates. Over the last decade, we saw interest rates decline, and so growth stocks did better. Just remember, low interest rates, unlike diamonds, are not forever. Value stocks, just like short-term bonds, don't benefit as much from low interest rates, and thus they have underperformed. My second answer is a bit more complex. I think value investing is often misunderstood, It's looked upon as the buying of statistically cheap stocks that, let's say, trade at less than 10 times earnings. If counting were the only skill required to be a value investor, my five-year-old daughter, Mia Sara, would be a great global value investor. She can count to 100 in both English and Russian. Value investing to me is a philosophy that is governed by what I call the six commandments of value investing. All principles that come from the teachings of Ben Graham, spelled out in his book, The Intelligent Investor, and later popularized by Warren Buffett. I won't delve into the commandments here, but you can get a free chapter from my future book that goes through them in great detail, with my own twists. Just go to sixcommandments.com. In short, the value investor approaches the stock market like a smart businessman would, if you were buying a business or an office building with the intention of owning it for a long time. If you were approaching stock market investing from this perspective, 
then you'd probably keep away from most of today's so-called growth stocks, companies that are already expensive and just became even more so, priced as if our economy will continue to march uninterrupted by recessions for another decade, unimpeded by the ever-growing mountain of government debt that has historically led to higher interest rates. If you think the economy is doing great, let me remind you that we have not had a recession in 10 years. The Federal Reserve stopped raising interest rates because it was afraid higher rates, that is greater than 2.5%, would dump us into a recession. Meanwhile, the U.S. government continues to run trillion-dollar annual deficits. So the future may not be as perfect as the expectations, read high valuations, that are priced into growth stocks might imply. I cannot really talk about growth without mentioning the fangs, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. These companies are responsible for a very large part of the outperformance of growth. They're all terrific, well-run companies, and their products and services are incredibly popular. If you didn't own these stocks over the last five years, you faced a huge headwind in your attempt to outperform the market. Due to their large market capitalizations and their weight in the index, they account for a big chunk of stock market returns. These companies' underlying businesses have produced high growth rates for longer than most rational observers would have expected. But the larger they get, the more important the law of large numbers will become as they are limited by the size of their markets. Everyone in the US, also their dogs and cats, already subscribes to Netflix and international growth for Netflix is less profitable due to the higher fragmentation of languages because not everyone speaks English, imagine, and lower prices for the service. Google and Facebook are in the advertising business and are going to face the natural constraints of the size of advertising markets and the consequences of what happens to advertising spending during a recession. Hint, it is very cyclical. And then there's Amazon, a sheer freak of a company. Today, everybody knows how great Amazon is, but its stock, just like that of the other fangs, has already been discovered and thus trades at over 60 times 2019 earnings. A valuation that may prove to be a bargain if Amazon's business continues to grow at the rate it has in the past. And though I would not want to bet against Bezos, I just don't want to bet on his stock. I vividly remember how in the late 90s, anyone who doubted Walmart when it traded at 52 times earnings was a heretic scoffing at the repeatability of Walmart's three decades of enormous success. The 13 years that followed were not the finest moments for Walmart shareholders. That's how long it took for the stock to grow into its earnings and to come back to its 1999 high. At some point, Amazon, with its 250 billion of revenues, will suffer a similar fate, but I'm not calling the top for Amazon stock for two reasons. First, I have no idea how much fuel or growth is left in that rocket. Second, just because something is overvalued doesn't mean it can't get more overvalued. In May 1999, Walmart stock was at 35 times earnings. A few months later, and almost 50% higher, it was trading at 52 times earnings. Value versus growth? Today, it's more than just the debate of cheap versus expensive. The debate extends much further. Can something that can't go on forever do so? Most people know the right answer to this rhetorical question. In spite of the fact that the stock market can stay irrational longer than most value investors can stay sane or disciplined, 
I'm already seeing fangs slowly creeping into value investors' portfolios. Maybe they're beginning to understand the value in the future growth of fang stocks, or maybe they simply can no longer take the pain of not owning them. Value has outperformed growth over decades in the past because it is the human condition to be eternally optimistic, to draw straight lines from past to the future, and to expect good times to roll for longer than they usually do. And thus the expectations that are built into the valuation of growth stocks end up being greater than the reality they eventually face. At the 2018 Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, Warren Buffett said, quote, you can turn any investment into a bad deal by paying too much, end quote. So value investing is not dead. It's just waiting until all value managers lose their hair and capitulate. You just listened to the post titled, Is Value Investing Dead? by Vitaly Kassanelson of ContrarianEdge.com. Looking to part ways with complicated, expensive, and uncertain shipping? Then give your business the edge it needs with USPS Ground Advantage Shipping from the United States Postal Service. Keep everything simple with clear upfront pricing and no unexpected surcharges. Keep things affordable with some of the lowest prices out there. And keep it all reliable with on-time ground shipments. It's time to turn shipping to your advantage. Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, I've got some bad news. Mint is shutting down. But now for the good news. There's a better alternative. Our sponsor, Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. Maybe you're saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation, your kid's college. I've found that Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals, whatever they are. I definitely wouldn't be able to allocate my finances or plan as clearly without help from Monarch. In fact, Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com OFD. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com OFD. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash OFD for your extended 30-day free trial. So I ended up talking to my friend Frank Vasquez from the Risk Parity Radio podcast about this article because I don't often find myself contemplating value versus growth stocks. Frank pointed out that the big picture backdrop here is that academics have long observed since the 90s that value stocks and particularly small cap value stocks tend to outperform the rest of the market over long periods of time. But this has been turned on its head since the great financial crisis in 2008. And large cap growth stocks like the FANGs have outperformed by large margins. So people have been asking themselves whether this is some kind of temporary anomaly or some kind of paradigm shift. The debate is really rooted in trying to beat the market by investing in particular sectors. However, we don't need to beat the market to be successful in investing. And we don't even really need to debate value versus growth stocks because we can just own both. 
The fact of the matter is, as mere mortals, we can't know which one is going to perform better in the future. What really matters is our portfolio allocation mix of types of investments like stocks or bonds or REITs and not what's in each bucket. The reason is because all reasonably well-diversified 100% equity portfolios are going to perform at least 90% the same. Likewise, all reasonably well-diversified 80-20 or 60-40 stock-to-bond portfolios are going to perform at least 90% the same. So as long as we get that piece right, we should just focus on owning low-cost diversified funds and not get hung up on growth versus value or small cap versus large cap. Again, we don't need to be able to predict the future to succeed. And our success is not defined by beating the market, but rather by meeting our individual financial goals. And that should do it for today. Have a great rest of your day. And I'll catch you on our weekly bonus episode, which is live right now, where your optimal life awaits.